0: Good morning Liberty Lake Church. Why don't you come in and we're going to have a bit of a party. He is risen! all have a seat.
1: (laughs) Good morning. The Lord is risen. All right. Outstanding. This is uh, just such a cool day for me. Um, You know, the Apostle Paul says that if Christ did not rise, if he was not uh, resurrected, our faith means nothing. So this is a day that we can really rejoice and um, and be thankful for that Jesus did indeed rise from the dead. He destroyed Satan, and uh, or he, he destroyed Satan's purposes. And it's just just something for us to really hang on to and celebrate. Um, not much in the way of uh, of announcements, but one really important one is right after this service for kids sixth grade and under. In the back on the grass, there will be um, an Easter egg hunt. And I have been told that there are lots of eggs, so they want as many kids as they can. Uh, Carrie, you didn't make the cut, sorry. All right, let's continue.
0: All right, you can stand with us as we continue singing. i uh-huh. forgiveness in you and eternal life. Amen.
2: Amen. Kids, you are dismissed for Kids Rock. Good morning. It's good to see you guys. You guys ever found in your lives that uh, you
3: experience something with the Lord that is terrifying and exhilarating all at the same time, awe-inspiring? You guys ever had that in your life? I can only imagine that the disciples in the story that we're going to look at today are struggling with that exact moment um, as they're experiencing something with the Lord that is profound, and yet they're also dealing with the sheer terror of the exist of the situation that they're in, Uh, having Christ just been crucified, and and the the culture of the the society that's around them with the Jews and the angst against Him. I remember uh, one of my youth leaders when I was a young youth kid uh, was trying to help me understand this relationship with the Lord and the awe of being in a relationship with Him and being overcome by that, Uh, but also the reality of being in the presence of a Creator God. And so we went on this hike. Anybody around here know of the Multnomah Falls, the, the big falls up there? So we're hiking up the trail, and we get up close to the top, and he says, hey, I, wanna, I want you to experience something, and, and it's something that is uh, it's an amazing moment, and it, it's much like your relationship with the Lord. And so he tells me to close my eyes. Now we're most of the way up this hill. And he says, Close my eyes. And so I I trusted the guy, so I closed my eyes and he began to lead me off the trail. Uh, We are climbing over rocks and climbing over trees. And we get up to the spot and he begins, he gets me set on this rock. And he has, you know, he's like, Swing your legs over and keep your eyes closed. And we do all this stuff and he's he's talking to me about the reality of being in the presence of a creator god and that at times uh we should respond to to that like the like we see people in the old testament but we should also be, should be in awe of him as a creator god and he says open your eyes. And I opened my eyes and he had me sitting on this cliff face that looked out over the whole the, the Columbia River Valley and there was this little carved out spot in the trees where when you climbed up and sat on this rock and I mean it went it went down for a long, long ways. Here I am, he led me up there with my eyes closed, and I'm open up, and I'm looking at this vast creation of God, and at that moment also realized I was not fond of falling, um, which was very terrifying. But there's times in our lives, I think, when we see God do great things, and he, and he shares with us the realities of who he is, and because of our circumstances, because of where we're at in life, uh, our, our relationship with Him, at least for me at times, it feels like it's challenging and it's difficult. And I, I hope that you see that in the exhilaration of the fact that Christ rose from the grave. He also took His disciples through a real life challenge of relationship. And we're going to
2: see that today. Turn in your Bibles to, to John. Uh, we're in John chapter 20. And we're going to start. In verse 19 this morning, you say, but Pastor, that's not the traditional passage. It'll, we'll get there. Be okay. It'll be okay. Go with me. John chapter 20, starting in verse 19. And on the evening of that day, the first day of the
3: week, the doors being locked where the disciples... Uh, Where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld them. You say, why, why are we looking at this story? Partly because we're, we're going to go back and look at, at the, the story uh, in the beginning, actually, at, at the tomb, part of that process. But one of the things that intrigues me about the gospel and the resurrection of Christ is that it happens in real life with real people dealing with real life issues. Uh, and and I, I thought, how better to, for us to wrestle with this in light of our own uh, lives and where we're at in, in our uh, culture today uh, dealing with unknowns and, 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 and fears that, that many of us have or uh, concerns that many of us have. And Christ shows up in this moment, and he offers them this greeting, peace be with you. How many of you like peace? We like peace. I like peace. Uh, Sal and I moved this weekend, and uh, that's a wonderful experience. You should all do it.
2: None of us like moving, do we? Is there anybody out here that likes moving? Okay, good, because I would have called you.
3: We all like peace. We'd all like to be in that moment. And I believe that the beauty of the gospel is that Christ offers peace in the midst of the chaos of life. And, and, and the amazing aspect of the revelation uh, of Christ's res- resurrection is that it reveals the reality of God's ability to bring peace in the most difficult situations of life. And, and that's the beauty of, I believe, our text this morning. The first thing, where where do we see the disciples, and on what day are we looking at them here? First day of the week, the same day, and we're going to go back and look at what the same day means here in just a second, but the same day, and and where are they at? They're
2: locked in their house for fear of the Jews. Why? Because they just killed Jesus. And they were associated with Jesus. Now, I want to encourage you, let's not be too hard on the disciples, right? Are you in agreement with
3: me we're not going to be too hard on the disciples this morning? Okay, good. Because they're afraid for their lives and I think for good reason. They just watched Jesus crucified through a court system that was a complete sham and, and, and a complete false testimony, made up scenario, and the, the crowd turned on him and crucified him in the place of a murderer. So here we have the disciples, and they're in this condition. And and I want you to see something that I think is just it's absolutely amazing about this particular part of the story. Turn back and stay in John, John chapter 20. Turn back just a couple of verses to John chapter 20, verse 8. So this is this is after the women have gone to the tomb and Christ is not there. The angels meet them and send them back to the disciples, and they say, Hey, go tell the guys. And so the gals go back and they tell the guys, and in chapter eight, or in chapter twenty, verse eight, um, we actually pick up the story where John and Peter are arriving at the tomb to, to see this reality of Christ being raised from the dead. And in verse eight, says this: Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first, which was John, also went in and saw, and he believed.
2: For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. And then in our text, remember how we started it. And on the evening of that day. So one of the first things that we see is the disciples are beginning to believe. Anybody else there? Beginning to believe. Can you imagine what they're going through? They saw Christ crucified. They watched this whole thing happen. They,
3: they, they know that he's buried and, and the gals come back and they say, hey, he's not there, something's gone on. Peter and John run to the tomb to see what's happened in this process. They show up and he's not there and they begin to believe. And on the evening of that day, they're locked in their house for fear of the Jews. The reality is, is that even though they're seeing some of these things and Christ told them about some of these things, they're still living in fear. As I think at times we do, and interestingly enough, in Second Timothy, we're actually told what the spirit of uh, what the spirit is that we've been given. Second Timothy chapter uh, one verse seven, it says, "For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self control." Now again, we're not beating up on the disciples, right? Partly because. They actually don't have the Spirit yet. They, they, Christ has not given them the Spirit. They don't have the Holy Spirit and dwelled in them like those of us who are believers do today. And yet here's the, the reality of their lives. They're still living in fear, and they're, they're locked into
2: uh, their rooms, into this house, and, and uh, probably trying to figure out what to do in reality, probably trying to figure out how
3: do we deal with this. How how do we deal with everything that's happening right now?
2: In the midst of that moment, Jesus appears. Do you think that the author told us about the locked door just, just to point out that the disciples were scared? I'm guessing it was to highlight the fact that Christ just showed up.
3: Other gospel texts actually tell us that it freaked out the disciples. They thought he was a ghost. I mean, they they were terrified by this. And by the way, we would be too, right? People jump out of closets and cupboards and terrified. I mean, you know, people go all over the place when that happens. Jesus just showed up. Pretty spectacular thing to do. And, And part of it is the evidence that he is a supernatural being, that here's Christ just appearing in their
2: presence. And in this moment, what he offers them is he says, peace be with you. Now, the beauty of this is that
3: Christ, one of the things I love about the gospel and I love about how Jesus actually teaches us and he teaches the disciples, he told them that, that this was going to be part of his language. He says, peace be with you. This is not the first time that he's offered this to his disciples. It's not the first time they've heard Jesus talk about these things. In John chapter 14, he actually speaks to this. And he's telling them about his departure. He's preparing them in advance. John chapter 14, verse 25. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. You see, Jesus is expressing them. He's telling them ahead of time that these things are going to happen, and in that process, you are going to receive the Holy Spirit. You're going to receive the Helper, and in that, in, in that experience, you'll receive peace. I'm going to give you peace, not like the world gives. I'm going to give you a peace. And we know that the peace of God, we actually see in other texts, it says that it surpasses knowledge and and understanding. in In the midst of the craziest things, we as his children can have peace. Why? Because our peace is not about worldly or earthly realities. It's about a supernatural
2: reality in God, in Christ. It's about our hope in the gospel. Our hope in who Christ is, and so He offers to His disciples peace. And when I in,
3: in the other text, you, you you'll actually see more uh, some of the story described more uh, in in more detail. But I love that what John says is He gives you a real personal moment. He says and He shows him His their wounds. He actually shows him uh, them His wounds. The the reality of what's happening, the human truth of the fact that he's present with them and that he was the one crucified. They're they're not seeing some mystic angel. They're not seeing just a spirit, but they're actually seeing the person of Christ who was crucified. And he's bringing evidence to them in this moment, showing him the actual wounds on his body, the personal nature of the gospel. What's so amazing too is that uh, in in the story, more of the gospel, and we're gonna we're gonna run back to John. You can start turning your Bibles uh, to John chapter twenty, verse twenty six. But Thomas isn't there. This is how personal this is. Thomas, he's not there. And when the disciples come and say, we saw the risen Savior, we've seen him. He's alive. We've actually, we, we, we know he's there. We've seen his wounds. And Thomas says, unless I see them myself and I place my hands in them, unless I physically get to touch the Messiah, I will not believe
2: that he is raised from the dead or risen. In John chapter 20, we actually see uh, the account that, that follows that when Jesus shows up with the disciples and Thomas is actually there. Chapter 20, verse 26. Eight days later. Don't you like how they're putting the time frame on this? Just so you know, the, the process the disciples are going through. It, it's, it's
3: not happening. It wasn't a snap of the finger and they were... They were suddenly transformed into the mighty men of valor that went out and gave their lives for the gospel. They were going through a process. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be
2: with you. And he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hand. Put out your hand. Place it in my side.
3: Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me?
2: Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. The reality of Jesus appearing to them, the, the
3: personal presence, the, the fact that he's showing them his wounds, is testifying to his, the physical nature of his presence with them that he was the same Jesus who was crucified and is now alive and, and, and living and in their presence and commissioning them to go. At this moment, he finishes, as he's expressing this, he reminds them of the peace
2: that, that comes through his presence. He says, peace be with you. And then he sends them out. Did, did you see that in the text? No? Okay, just making sure you're with me. You know, there's this process of what Jesus
3: does. He doesn't say, okay, well, three years from now, when you guys are ready, as soon as you've processed all of this and you're a little more mature and you're
2: more comfortable and you're better at handling the Greek, he doesn't doesn't give them those moments. He says, now go.
3: Jesus says to them in verse 21, again, Peace be with you as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And I thought, well, what did the Father send him to do? And I I love this because many, many times we see John 3.16 written all over the place, right? Anybody know John 3.16? Everybody knows, well, most everybody knows John 3.16. Not everybody does, but most of us do, right? It's a wonderful part of, of our Christian faith. In fact, part of my wrestling as I was growing up was like, I'm I'm done with John 3.16. Everybody does John 3.16. There's got to be more to this. Well, there is. There's verses 17, 18. 19. We should read more of the text than just the one verse. So we're going to do that this morning because it's really good. John chapter 3. Starting in verse 16. <clears throat> and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Jesus' purpose was to come to bring light to the world, to bring life and hope to, to the lost world. In in John chapter three, we actually see the conflict that happens because let's just be honest, if if we acknowledge our own sin, if we recognize that we have sin, not a big fan of the light exposing those things. How many of you guys like confessing your sin publicly? Right? None of us like doing that. I don't even like admitting when I've made a mistake. Brian and I were driving to church this morning, and it's not a driving story, just relax. No conviction for you guys today. We're driving to church this morning, and we're talking about house stuff because we just moved in, and we're we're talking about things that need to be done. And all of a sudden, I realized we're saying we're we're in the same car, just the two of us, but we are not communicating. Like we're we're going completely different directions. And it was at that moment that we looked at one and we're like, "This is not working. Something's something's off. Like w- what you're saying, I realize I'm not clearly understanding what you're trying to communicate." You guys know that down deep in my heart, I don't even like doing that. And that's good for me. Like, that's, it's positive when my bride and I are healthy, doing good communication. That, that works out well for me. And I don't even like doing that. So are we expecting in our own lives when the gospel's present? Are we expecting to to be joyfully excited about having the light exposed into our own lives? Probably not. I mean, we want to. We're all in church, so we can all acknowledge that, yes, we do, right? Oh, yeah, we love having God's light shine in our lives. Amen. No amens. Uh, We love that. We're in church. That's what we're supposed to say. But the reality is, is that we may not like it, but imagine a world that doesn't want the light of Christ to be present at all. Is that going to cause conflict for us as a, as a church, as a believers, as we try and actually take the gospel out to the world like we're commissioned to do, like the disciples are commissioned to do? Absolutely. John 3 says that they're going to hate it. How do people respond to things they don't like? We uh, we had a joke in our house. We used to call Barfley uh, or uh, Cauliflower... Did I just say barfoli? There it is, right there. I meant to say broccoli. <laughs> Truth is out, we had choke of flour and spewage. Can you guys figure out what that is? What do we do with the stuff that we don't like? What do we do with the stuff that we hate? We do not not endure ourselves to it. The reality is the gospel is going to come with difficult things. Jesus did not come to condemn the world. He came to save the world. But the process in which he came to save the world will bring conflict to his disciples. It will bring difficulty because those who are of the world, those who are of the enemy, will hate the truth of the light. That's the reality that the disciples are facing. Christ was crucified not because he was a great man and he did many miracles. It was because the reality of the gospel is in conflict with the world. And it's in that process, it's in that reality that Christ sends his disciples out and says, as the Father sent me, go. I am sending you. So the truth is, is that as joyful as the gospel is, as triumphant as the resurrection of Christ is, that for you and for me as his believers, there's still conflict in this reality. It means that for you and I to joyfully celebrate the resurrection of Christ, we should anticipate difficulty. Celebrate, yes. But let's recognize what the reality of it is. It means we're going to need the Holy Spirit who brings peace in our lives as we exercise this truth. Luke chapter 8, verses 16 through 18. Christ is explaining this to his disciples. You know why? Because they were normal people. And he's explaining to them, hey, just so you know, this is going to be an issue for you. And it's going to be an issue for all disciples. So let me give you an illustration. Luke chapter 8, verse 16. No, no one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be manifest, nor anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care, then, how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given from the one who has not Even what he thinks he has will be taken away. The reality is is that we've been given the gospel not to cover it up. Our light that we have been given is not for us to have just for ourselves or to, to keep to ourselves and cover up. It's to give away. It's to share the reality of the gospel, the truth of the resurrection of Jesus. It actually is to empower us to go and be the light of the gospel to the rest of the world that will at times hate us. They don't hate us. Let's just be honest. They don't hate us. They hate the reality of the gospel. They hate the light that Christ brought. And in that, we may be the focus of that, but they really uh, are, are, are hating Christ. They're hating the gospel. Yay! Are you guys excited about the resurrection yet? I hope I, I'm not. I don't want to discourage us. That's not the point. But the the reality of the resurrection of Christ, I think, bears uh, some weight on our hearts if we don't understand. I mean, to understand what it really means for us every day. I'm living in the most comfort I've ever been in in my life. Oddly, companioned with the most discomfort I've ever had in my life physically. Like my body hurts more now than it has for many many years maybe that was part of god's grace he's like you're gonna life's gonna get easier because you have more money and it's gonna hurt more to have an easier life amen but the gospel's not easy and christ knew that and he promised his disciples that he would not leave them alone but he would send the spirit i love what he does at the end of this text, as he's wrapping up, um, he, you know the, uh, the he mentions that if you forgive sin, it'll be forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness, uh, some of the commentaries that I was reading through the the Greek and that talks about uh, leaving in bondage or freeing from bondage, um, and, and so the thought process was they weren't actually giving Jesus wasn't giving the disciples the power to forgive sin except for the fact that he was giving them the keys to the gospel to say that this frees from sin. Those who choose uh, to, to, to accept the gospel will be freed. Those who choose to ignore the gospel will remain in bondage. And, and I believe that part of what he was sharing with the disciples was the power of the gospel actually has the power to change people's eternal destination. And that's the, that's the commission that we've been given But what I love about what Jesus does in this moment is that he, do you see that in the text where it actually says in verse 22, and he said, uh, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit.
2: I was thinking, where else do we read about him breathing on people? Jesus does some weird stuff in his miracles. You guys know that, right?
3: Like, for, for some of the blind guys, he spit in the mud and then wiped it on their eyes and, and, and just not, wouldn't pass the, uh, the OSHA standards for uh, medical practice today, would, would not fly. But one of the most prominent places that we see God, this, this idea of being breathed on, the, the mankind being breathed on, is actually in Genesis chapter 2. Look at Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 5. It's really an incredible moment that Jesus does right here with the disciples. It's a, it's a spectacular thing. Genesis chapter two verse five, "When no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground, And a mist was growing up, uh, from, or was going up from the land and was uh, watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. It's interesting that the the gospel writer of John specifically references that Christ breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. This picture, I I believe it paints uh, the the picture of Christ again claiming the deity of the Creator God in this moment and offering them, giving them the gift of the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit in their life. Turn back to me, if you would, to John uh, chapter 14. I want to read just this, this portion again. John chapter 14, verses 25 through 28, where he speaks about this peace that he's given. Remember, too, the disciples were in fear. They were locked in their house for fear of the Jews. They were, they were rightfully terrified of losing their life because of their association with Christ. John chapter 14, verse 25. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, Jesus is offering uh, in the gospel, in in this moment to his disciples, he's expressing to them the gift of the Holy Spirit. And here in Mark, as they're in this room, terrified, locked away, he gives them the gift of the Holy Spirit and says, Receive this, my peace I give to you. Part of what I've wrestled with in, in this process is, who is the Holy Spirit that's been given to me? What does this look like? Remember what it said in 2 Timothy. We've received a spirit not of fear, but of power and self-control and love. That's the spirit that we've been given as his children. And here you have the disciples who are in this moment terrified because of their cultural, because of the, the circumstances that they're in. And Christ shows up and says, peace be with you. My peace I give to you. He breathes on them and and, and offers them, says, receive the Holy Spirit. And I I love the fact that eight days later, they're still in the house. Because we we see that just shortly after. Eight days later, they're still locked in the house, and Thomas is there. And they're still terrified about all this stuff. And Christ shows up there again and says, peace be with you. When you think about the gospel, when you think about what it means to have the helper, the Holy Spirit, the one who's going to teach us all things and remind us of the things that are said in Scripture, I find myself every now and then getting discouraged because I see in my own life where I become distracted by or or overwhelmed by the earthly things around me. Sometimes consumed by them, and I realize that I'm being distracted from the things that God's called me to do, from the the, the exact thing that God that Christ gave to His disciples to do: go as the Father sent me. I'm sending you go and be a light to the world. Recognize it's going to be difficult, but I'm giving you the Spirit to be a helper. He's going to bring power and love and self-control. He will be there for you. And that's the reality of the gospel. That's the reality of the, the, the risen Messiah. Christ is not dead. He's not stuck in a grave. He showed back up. He met with his disciples. He's empowered them. And and by that reality and the commission that we see in the gospel of Matthew, we have been given the same commission and we're given the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. And we're called to go and live that reality in our lives. Not in fear. Not in chaos. Not terrified about our culture. You know, the church should be the happiest place on earth. Can't get an amen for that? (laughs) Brothers and sisters, the church should be the place where there's peace and joy, regardless of our circumstances. That's the reality of the resurrected Lord. If Christ is not risen from the dead, then our faith truly is pointless. But if He is alive, and we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, then we have nothing to fear on this earth. We have no reason to have our heads hanging low and be moping around, acting like we've lost something. Where are you at in your belief process? Because the disciples were beginning to believe, and they stayed locked in their house for a while. Where are you at in your faith with the Lord? That's really probably the question as we think about the gospel of the resurrection, is what do we believe, and how is it changing how we live? Man, if we've been walking with the Lord for a while, you guys, and we see we see cultural things, political things, economical things, medical things, uh, what's the chronological things? That's aging stuff. In case you weren't, I had to think about it for. I'm like, what's the word for that? When we see those things and they become terrifying or they bring fear with them, we need to be reminded that we can go back to the cross and say, I've got peace. I have hope because I have the light of the gospel indwelt in me in the person of the Holy Spirit. As his child, I have hope in the midst of every circumstance. And that's what we get to share with the world. That's the hope of the gospel that we should take out of this place every day. When I get up in the morning and it hurts more than the next day, praise be to God, I get to get up another day and have a chance to share the gospel. Man, are you guys excited about the resurrection of Christ? Then let's act like it. Please. You got to help me. I need you to encourage me because I get discouraged in the middle of the week. Some of you should show up on Sunday uh, during the middle of the week and say, man, you don't look like the light of the gospel shining in your life. That would be helpful. I got to be reminded. Let's start acting like he's alive. Let's start living like he's alive. Let's unlock our doors and step back into a culture that desperately needs the gospel, even though they're not going to like it. And let's start living as if we live with the Prince of Peace indwelling each of us. That's the truth of the gospel. That's the hope that we have to offer a dying world, a lost world. We probably at times need to offer it to one another because we can get so distracted by the weight and the daily life that we exercise in together he is risen, then let's go out and live like it. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for the truth of your word. I am so thankful that you are patient and and long-suffering with us, that you allow us to process our belief and that you allow us to do this, Father, in in a in a, At times, it feels like an incredibly slow process. But God, you are faithful and loving and overflowing in mercy. And you, by your grace, have called each of your children to go and be lights of the gospel in our community. God, we need your help. We, we know we have the Spirit, but Lord, so often we're, we are hamstrung and crippled by fear, by doubt by our own insecurities, by the busyness of life. Father, it actually makes me a little nervous to, to ask you to help me get over those things because I know what that process, I, I, I think I know what it looks like. And I like my comfortable life. And I like my busy life. And I like my life that focuses on me. And I realize that, the, that to truly live the gospel requires that, that idol, that selfishness to go away. So, Father, as we think about what it means to live in the light of your uh, resurrected Son, I pray that you would overwhelm us with that truth, Lord, that we would not be able to be quiet. We could not stay locked in our homes. We would not drive into our homes and close our doors, but we would go and bother our neighbors. Help us to be kind in how we bother our neighbors. But God, let us bother them with the gospel. Pray that you would make us into a church. Make us into your church that is overflowing with joy and peace because of who you are. God be the glory forever and ever. All God's people said, amen.
0: If you want to stand with us, this is a newer song to us. So I want to take you guys through the chorus and part of the bridge. So then when we get there, we can be all excited. So. Christ is risen from the dead. Trampling over death by death.
4: Come awake, come
0: Since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And now we boast in the hope of the glory of God, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Amen. He is risen. He is risen